Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. This is Grilling at the Green After Hours with JT. It's the conversation after the broadcast ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, everybody. Welcome to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I'm your host, JT, and we've got my good friend Tucker Booth with us today. Uh, Tucker is truly a man of many, many talents. Uh, on the golf course, probably isn't one of them, but we both love the sport and we're both no good at it. So I'm just going to say that <laughs> anyway, it, it's all good. It's all, We were talking off the air and listeners might find this interesting because I was talking about the studios and, you know, duct tape and, and super glue and, you know, strings hanging from the ceiling or a piece of dowling on the top of the council here holding up one of the ceiling tiles because if so it won't fall on you. We've worked in all those different types of uh, scenarios in different studios. And unless you've been in the radio or TV business and actually been behind the scenes, you probably don't believe us, but it is true. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, I love KLOS out here. On LA radio, the classic rock channel, it's a wonderful, legendary station. But they were joking about it the other night. They go, everybody out there thinks that we're having this big old wild orgy party here at the studio, and it's me alone by myself yep. wishing someone would bring me some food. That's yep. what's going on here right now. Yep. And I swear that's every radio station, no matter how big your budget is. <laughs> I have never been in a radio station where they didn't beg for food. Yep. I, I never have. And where they weren't a bunch of lonely dorks. Yep. That too. Yep. Because believe me, you get this image of people. Well, before the internet, really, you never knew what they looked like unless you they were doing a personal appearance or something everywhere. Because there was no place to go look and say, here's a picture of our morning show guy or our morning show lady or whatever. You know, now with the internet, everybody can look up what you look like. And believe me, the image that is portrayed in people's minds when they hear your voice versus the actual image of the person, they are totally different every time. Every it's time. why I don't do video still. Everybody goes, why don't you do video? I go, because I got a face made for audio. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you, and you combine that with begging for food. Um, you know, you were talking about Hunter Thompson in the, in the regular show, and he was one of my kind of, I, I came out of that era, all right, and, uh, you know, fear and loathing and all that stuff. And and one of the things that Thompson made mention of was uh, the press covering presidential campaigns and stuff. And then, of course, I was very much into uh, when I got out of college, paying attention to politics and all this and through the media, blah, blah, blah. And there was always a, a, an 
an interesting scenario of this national media that you would see on TV. Bob Schieffer, you know, or somebody from Huntley Brinkley or Peter Jennings or Dan Rather, somebody you ever grew up with. When the camera goes off, they're just a bunch of heathens like we are. You know, they'll they'll walk Absolutely. by a, they'll walk by yeah, a salad I can, I can bar. I tell a great hunter story, or maybe "great" is the wrong word. How about a, a very real hunter story? When I was in Aspen, Colorado, living up there for a half a year in 2003 with a friend of mine, kind of trying to break into the music scene up there. Hunter was living right down the road in Woody Creek right. on his ranch, where he's been forever uh, while he was live, anyway, and. Everyone knew he was down there, but I made friends with a woman that was one of kind of the town mothers of Aspen, and she asked if I would help perform and march in a peace demonstration that was going to go right through the heart of town. It was going to go up around the X Games, which was also there simultaneously up at the mountain uh, that year for the Winter X Games, and it was going to end in Pepke Park right in the middle of town at the gazebo, and they were going to have a peace rally, live music, and then keynote speaker Hunter S. Thompson. And of course, I was thrilled. And uh, as the day played out with the march and the rally, I not only got to play, they had me come back out and open for Hunter and introduce him and bring him out on stage. So it was an amazing opportunity for someone that was a humongous fanboy of his writing. However, the Hunter that showed up was like you said about liking someone's voice and then seeing their face. Hunter could barely stand, and not just because he was wasted. Hunter was so physically wrecked and decrepit that he was being held up on one arm by his wife and on the other arm by whoever was helping handle him that yeah, day. Yeah. He did have a highball in one hand. He had a cigarette in the other. And the speech at the end of this powerful rally was so anticlimactic that after a minute or two, people started booing and jeering and heckling from the crowd, the same people that had come because they were excited to see him. And then he was dragged back off. Um, You know, I have to say, that's the man himself, the heathen himself versus the genius writer that he surely was as well. Sure. I mean, he showed up. I went to Oregon State. I finished my school at Oregon State. And he would he came to the U of O, which is 40 miles down the road in Eugene. So we went and saw him and he came out. And of course he had the cigarette and the cigarette holder and the bottle of wild Turkey, you know, and all that. And he gave at least for the first 15 minutes, a pretty coherent speech. Um, but you know, you could tell down the road as you saw him years later, um, a lot of times the writing genius would still flare and it would be good. But then, as you were saying, when he got older, uh, he wasn't the same guy anymore because you can't keep that pace up. And he was kind of living up to his own legend is what it looked like to me. But, you know, I, I don't yeah, know. And, and, you know, the book that came out right at the same time in 03, I believe it's called Kingdom of Fear. Yeah. Just a great book. Genius book. Really strong writing about that time in history and all the political upheaval going on in 2003. And people forget you know, that, that you maybe weren't around then or weren't as conscious then, but right around then, that, that was just as churned up feeling as it is now with 9-11 and everything. You know? right. So that was a very, very apt uh, observation of that time from Hunter. Yet, just because he could write that way did not mean he could speak that way anymore or, or obviously keep up the, the pace with all of the imbibing. No, he was, 
he was a poster child for a lot of things. Good writing was one of them. Interesting writing, fun writing. Um, but, you know, a lot of times you would see like entertainers, you know, some of the Rat Pack guys and like that, you know, Dean Martin really didn't drink that much as he acted like he did. Um, he did drink, but he didn't, you know, he wasn't always sipping a single malt scotch like that. I think Hunter actually, I don't know the man. I only saw him, but, uh, and it's like you, I was an admirer of his writing, but I think he did actually live up to his legend, you know, in a lot of ways. And he liked golf. Well, bless him either way for inspiring as many people as he did and curse him for all the people that he burnt along the way because I imagine there were plenty of them too. But like you said, we're all heathens when the camera's off. That's for sure. Rich Lerner, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> all you guys, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, no matter how smooth you are on camera, we're all jerks when the camera's off. We all do things that we regret. And, uh, and I think the, the ones that are the most successful are usually the most guilty too. Yeah, they can. Sometime I'll tell you off the air about me interviewing Bill Shatner because I actually knew his wife, his last wife, Elizabeth. And interview was going well, and I asked him a question that he didn't like, and then it didn't go so well after that. I'll give you the details off the air someday. but um, Man, you, you singed Captain Kirk? Oh, Jeff. Way to go. Captain Kirk <laughs> ended up singeing me on the deal by the time we were done, but it was, yeah. You it was, named him up real quick there, didn't you? Oh, uh, yeah, man. I needed more than phasers on stun. I needed, <laughs> I need the proton torpedoes or whatever the hell they were, but. Come, come give him a pinch on the neck or something and take care of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, Bill was a real interesting character and I had met him before at a horse show. Um, and I was one of the officials and he was very nice to me then. And then he later on, I went through the proper channels, did the interview with him. Um, and he called in right when he said he would and everything was going well. And I veered off the script just casually. It wasn't about anything specific. Just, it was kind of like, well, what else you got going on? And boom. So, um, anyway, that was interesting. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I've had lots of these experiences you're talking about. And as far as golf goes, lots and lots of them with these golf personalities. And it's funny, there's such a culture capital in the golf world for being genteel and, and nice and, and really dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. So most people that play the game of golf networking do those things and, and, and keep up those appearances. But like you said, you just you, you hit the glitch or you yep. trigger them, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Or as a journalist, I ask them the question I need to ask versus the question they want me to ask or whatever. And you watch these people betray that nice guy image that they have. <laughs> and you see how manipulative a lot of them are, that they're using us as intentional tools to try and make their case. And almost like a lot of them, like be their false news reporters or whatnot. Right. And when I've seen this and experienced it, I'm getting a little bit more savvy about learning how to navigate around it or nip it in the bud or avoid it altogether if I see it coming. But that is going to be grist for one of these books coming out. I'll even give the title I'm working on. It. It's called Ghosts of Golf Channel. And it is indeed about these type of situations. <laughs> I will say this. My buddy Dottie Pepper actually told me one time in an email, 
I said that I had had Peter Costas on the show. And I said, it was fun. And she wrote me back and she said, uh, she was she was actually laughing, she said, as she wrote the email. She goes, I think you're the only person that ever put the word fun and Peter Costas in the same sentence. <laughs> so <laughs> I've kept that email, by the way. It's kind of on my, my wall. Oh, Dottie, I'd have fun with Peter Costas. I, I think he's great, especially now that the muzzle's off and he's just saying whatever he wants to say. I, I love hearing his stuff with no laying up and et cetera. I think he'd be a great interview. Oh, yeah. Well, he'll he'll be back here shortly. I'll let you know when he's coming because um, uh, it's a lot of fun. But, uh Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Well, it was kind of the same thing at CBS, you know, when they when they got rid of McCord and Costas and they made some other changes and 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 Dottie was willing to answer any questions about that. I think she's great, but um, you know, there was there was some there was some animosity there on McCord's and and Costas's, and I don't blame them. You know, they'd been a fixture around there for a long time, and and somebody came in and then they wanted to put. You know, do well, you- it's it's the Peter Kessler conundrum because yeah. part of my piece about Kessler that I wrote was how he set this very high standard for what a golf personality on air looked, sounded, and acted like. But he also burned a lot of bridges personally. So once he finally made himself persona non grata at Golf Channel, they brought in other people that never could live up to this ridiculously high standard that he had created. Right. And here he is on the sidelines throwing grenades at these people saying, you're a bunch of hacks. You'll never be me and making things worse for himself. But he was also right that these people were not as uh, great as he was at doing what he did. I think that's a problem for the Costases and the McCords is that the people they've been replaced by, uh, while some of them I do admire, um, I don't think they have that same 3D quality that those guys did, and it's kind of made it blander with the with the analysis uh, with with a lot of this. And I don't just say that personally. I've had a lot of people I've interviewed on my podcast echo that that are in the business. Um, and, and granted, the Dottie Peppers are awesome, and I love Frank Nabilo. I think he's wonderful. Karen Stupples is great. Jerry Ford is really yeah. good. Kay Cockerell. I mean, I'll throw out people that I like, but. I think in general, on a lot of these CBS podcasts, uh, uh, broadcasts, I should say, um, we miss the Garys and and the Costases. And I know Faraday's still on NBC, but those kind of color guys, we miss them. Well, yeah, you know, and um, McCord's life on tour, Faraday's life on tour, you know, Costas teaching all those years and doing all that they've and they've lived it they've been there they were there week in week out doing this stuff and and they've got it you know when they got rid of that over at cbs and they brought uh, davis dl3 in like that really nice guy don't know i met him once but really nice guy he wouldn't remember me from adam but the point is he was never comfortable there do, talking about it, doing the analysis, you know, they were really trying to, to, to prompt him to talk and he, he didn't want to talk. He's just not a talker like that, you know? Um, and we've seen that a few times and that, that comes again from the upper management deciding that, well, we're going to put a fresh face in here. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, you know, Davis love was friends with uh, one of the executive producers um, I don't know if it was Lance Burroughs. I think he was on his way out, but somebody else, but then it didn't work out. 
But by that time, you'd already burned McCord and Costas. They were gone. Faraday had left for NBC. So, you know, now what have you got out there? Uh, we got Dottie, which is a godsend because she'll call it as she sees it. And, uh, you know, does Yeah, you know, I, my, my favorites now on CBS are some of the caddies they've brought on. You know, I had John Wood. Yep. Show. Uh, and, of course, Bones, uh, who was his predecessor that got John that opportunity by doing such a good job. Those guys are great. Really love their perspective, but there, there it is comparing a Davis love to, to those guys is golfers are mostly introverts, especially when they're out there. Right. And that's kind of by necessity and caddies are generally extroverts by necessity. And because they need to at least be extroverted enough to keep, you know, working with their player and, and giving them the information they need, pumping them up when they need to, et cetera. So the 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 Bones Mackays and and the John Woods they make sense being out there being color guys they're wonderful kind of you get you get in the in the mindset of these golfers because they understand the mindset of these golfers and Dottie too but they're kind of the last of the Mohicans out there that still speak that way on the mic yeah you know I like you said I love Frank Nablo but Frank is again you could tell he's he's pretty cut and dry about stuff. You know, he he'll add the color and the personal touch to it. But if you really listen to what he says, it's like, you know, you want to be careful here because of this, um, this, 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 whatever. And, you know, the guy will hit the shot and it goes flying over the green and he's like under his breath. He's like, I'm, I told you so, <laughs> you know, but he doesn't say that out loud. Right. But all those years of him banging around on tours. <clears throat> here and uh, European, you know, yeah, Frank's marvelous human being. I have to give him credit, not just for being a guest that was really wonderful on my pod, but I'll, I'll even tell the story still kind of trying to get my sea legs with these podcasts. I was out of town. Frank said it was the only window he had to do it. And we've been trying to set the interview up for over a year. So I said, well, we'll make it work fine. You know, I'll, I'll do it. I was at a friend's house. I was traveling. I was in St. Louis. And I did a 90-minute interview with Frank that was just fabulous. He was so wonderful. And right as I'm saying, well, it's been a great talking to you, Frank, and I'm about to turn off the recorder, it had turned itself off 45 minutes into a 90-minute interview. Oh, jeez. And here I am trying to wrap it up with Frank and not have that be the first thing I tell him when we get done. Uh, I, I actually let it go that night. And then in the morning, I apologetically wrote him a, a letter explaining what had happened and saying, I completely understand if you're too busy to do it again, but I don't want to put it out the way it is because it just cuts out awkwardly and whatnot. So just letting you know, I'm so sorry. And that's, you know, that's where I'm at. And immediately he responds and says, Oh, no problem at all, brother. We can do it again. And he gave me another 90 minutes, Jeff. Ah, that's, that's a, Frank Nabilo folks. Yeah. That's good. That's very good. Listen, Tucker, we got to run. So uh, we will do this again, brother. But Tucker Booth, check out his podcast. Check out his website. Check out his music. Uh, is there still stuff of you rapping out there? There is. Again, on my Twitter, Tucker Dale Booth handle. Right up at the top in the bio, I've got some of my rap albums. And they are free to stream or download on Bandcamp, I pretty much put them all out for free now. Uh, I do have other music up there as well, including my kids' music album, 
Top Rock, me singing and playing guitar and doing kids music, that's on there. Uh, again, Tuckerdale Booth Twitter handle, just go right to the links up at the top. And then my, uh, I have YouTube links on there for some of my recent rap songs I've written as well. There you go. Tuckerdale Booth, he's a good guy. Listen to his stuff. He's fun. We'll be back next week with another edition of Grilling at the Green. Until then, take care. Be nice to somebody. And don't forget, it's Mother's Day. Say hi to your mom. Take care. Love you, mom. Thanks, Jeff. You got it.